welcome to the podcast. Uh, Episode six. You just had to interrupt me, right? I was going to start it <laughs> off, but whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Will. This is David, my host co. Anyways, what episode is this, David? Since this is so episode six. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it looks like you had a lot of stuff to talk about this week, David. Let's let's uh let's get it started. But we're gonna cut this short this week, so we're just gonna go rapid fire. Okay. Okay. So let's do it. <laughs> uh, movies, internet trolls, uh, trailers. Uh, what are your thoughts? Go. Holy crap. <laughs> Um, I, right. first of all, I don't watch a lot of trailers. I tend to only watch the first trailer just because, uh, I think they give away too much and it kind of lessens the excitement for the movie. There's no real surprise. Um, internet trolls are the worst and they're obviously trying to get attention. They don't get attention <laughs> at home mm-hmm. and we really are rapid firing this. Um, yeah, that's it. We're done. Okay. That's easy. Okay. All see, right. See you guys tomorrow <laughs> or next time. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> This was some uh so the the Predator movie opened uh last weekend and it opened to twenty four million and I know talking about money and everything is always your favorite subject. But uh most likely the, so the budget for the movie was eighty eight million and the way things are going, it's mostly gonna end up being a flop due to like um advertisement and whatnot. Um and so but my thoughts are is you know, we have these movies like marvel that are just you know they'll they'll make a billion dollars in the box office Mm -hmm. and then you have these other movies where they've been successful in the past but is it because the cost but but they're not finding the same success they did before and is it because um the cost of movies is going up too high to where at this point you know people are starting to think okay if i'm going to go see a movie I have to know it's going to be good. I think a part of it is that the culture says that maybe the movie looks good. Maybe the trailer looks good. But is it good enough to spend, like you're saying, the money on buying a ticket? Or is it better for me to go to Redbox in, you know, six months and rent it for a dollar, you know? And I think what happens is a lot of these movies that seem like they're going to be flops, even if it only made whatever, $22 million or something like that, that yeah. that's just in the box office and that's just the first weekend. So right. it'll probably have at least like a month around in the theater. And then once that's done, then, then the DVD sales kick in. And I'm pretty sure that's where most of these movies that aren't considered the top tier movies. I don't know if it's DVD sales as much as it's exposure sales. from, yeah, rental yeah. sales digital or digital sales, and digital like sales that, getting it on, seeing it on Netflix, getting money through Netflix and whatnot. Yeah. So I think that, um, it may not be critically like a, you know, like an Oscar winning type movie. And I don't think maybe it's not just, you know, it hasn't had enough commercials. So a lot of people probably weren't like, oh, okay, well, I know it exists, but do I really want to see it? I mean, to be honest, the 22 million that it did make probably because there's not many movies that came out this weekend. Yeah, well, it was the number one movie in the box office. Yeah, which is so cr- it's, it's see, kind of a so, crappy number yeah, one. It was, yeah. Uh, so, like worldwide, it made about it's I don't know it's made about fifty to sixty million so far. But so um, how is that a flop? It'll break even. Well, studios usually consider well, just like I was talking about uh, paying for advertisements. You know, it, it doesn't sh- it doesn't yeah it doesn't show into the actual budget of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so realistically. 
like usually their budget i th- I, I don't remember i read somewhere where about the calculations you usually want to like for a movie like this you'd probably take half of it and add on to the budget as well so we'll say you know it was like actually 120 million but irregardless like studios don't go in just saying hey i want to make a couple million dollars they want to go in you know looking for a hit that's going to make you know 100 million dollars but i was i was kind of thinking about it and you know we're talking about the high prices and everything and uh like baseball has actually switched things up a little bit um well they're they're actually they're, i mean they're struggling in attendance as well what okay i was just about to say how does baseball relate to predator the movie please explain <laughs> yeah i no, i'm all over this uh so my bad <laughs> and i so baseball a lot of stadiums have adapt adopted um basically when they play the the premium teams you play a premium price but if it's the lower market teams you actually play a lower price so the AAA teams, i.e., like the Mariners and people like that, they'll draw the. Bigger well, it's basically prices. so. So, if it's you know, so if it's the Mariners Stadium and the Yankees come to town, mm-hmm. they charge a premium price for a Yankees game. But if it's like, oh, I don't know, I can't think what like the White Sox right now are a crappy team, you know, and so yeah. they will not charge as much for those tickets. But is that something that? you think the movie industry needs to start thinking about or because it seems like it seems like the movie industry is really top heavy right now where they're bringing in crap tons of money still, but it seems to be by what, maybe like 10 movies for the year. Yeah. I think actually, you know what? It's funny that you mentioned like bringing that theory over into movies. Cause a lot of people are thinking about bringing that theory over into video games. Well, they kind of already are. Yeah, in terms of like the weight, like the pricing tiers for mm-hmm. video games, and then now people are looking at, well, if a game's going to be online all the time, or if its game's going to be heavily supported by loot boxes, then why am I paying sixty dollars up front? Right. If like like if the new Call of Duty has no single player campaign, shouldn't that just top and up chop a, like twenty dollars off the price? If if it's going to actually have loot boxes, shouldn't that chop another ten fifteen dollars off the price? You know, it, which kind of makes sense, though, if you really think about it. Like, it means that the microtransactions that are built in the games will actually have to be more thought about. It means that they'll actually have to um, give more value to the actual game. But, I mean, shoot, it would provide a little bit more innovation when it comes to these games. Because nowadays it's just, you know what? So, Overwatch was successful with cosmetics. I guess we'll just do all cosmetic loot boxes. You know, and yeah, that's all fine and dandy, but it there's nothing new. You know what I mean? It's so another thing that's weird to me is a lot of the times they'll have stuff like loot boxes or for the Tales games, you can go in and you can buy costumes and whatnot. Specifically swimsuits. Yeah, you can buy those as well. Um, but they keep the prices exactly the same. So the the game will be released like two years ago and you'll go to the store mm-hmm. and it's the exact same price yet the game has gone down in price yeah so and eventually the costumes become cost just as much as the game is yeah is that, or or if not more if you were to purchase all of them yeah um but i think it's that's their way of maintaining um monetization on something that that 
that doesn't necessarily not, change the gameplay. So they're they're thinking, okay, whatever. Like if it's because if you really look at it, all the the gameplay DLCs, say for instance, like uh, like War of the Chosen or something on XCOM two, um, like that goes down when the game goes down. But if it's DLC, say for instance, costumes, most of the time those never go down. Like Metal Gear Solid costumes and stuff like that, those don't go down whenever the game goes down. Um, they stay the same because those are definitive like monetization points. Whereas new gameplay, they can lower and higher. I guess it's probably because it's considered an extension of the game as opposed to right. something that sits outside and you can just put a fresh coat of paint on something else. So for you, okay, so if, say, you have, okay, well, they don't, I don't think they really do this for 3D fighting games where you have to pay for extra characters. Do you, do they have that? They do have that. Um, so, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you... Street Fighter was pretty notorious for yeah, last Yeah, Street Fighter, time. yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so my question is, would... So when it first comes out and they get all these extra characters, it's like $30, you know, and you're... And yeah. so is it, if it's $30, in your, in your head, is that too steep? Well, when I bought Tekken 7, um, I actually bought the expansion, so I think... Or I bought the the season pass, so I think it was like seventy dollars up front, right, altogether. But then I'm thinking to myself, and I guess this this is why they word it this way: is that season pass means I get everything going forward, and I don't pay any more f- for anything yeah, else. Yeah, that's right. Right. Well, but it doesn't really a, work that way because yeah, now it doesn't always work games that way. do multiple seasons. So they did season one. I got all the characters for that. They just announced a season two where like Negan's going to be a character and like some old characters from the earlier Tekken's are going to come in. And now I have to worry about buying that if I really want it. The thing is, I don't agree with that. I actually agree with what Fallout did, which I mean, not a the biggest fan of Fallout 4. Good game nonetheless. Um, but what they did is they had a season pass that included all of their <clears throat> all of their content. But what they did is if they decided to add more content, they increased the price of the season pass for people who came new into it. So now there's more value in there. It gives them a reason to increase that. But it's not. But if you already bought it, if then you already bought it, then for for you're you, good to go. Technically, you supported them in making that, and then the people who yeah. the people who buy into it later on, they're now they're paying for the more content that you have effectively helped them um, help them purchase to start with, you know, or help them pay for the labor to to get done or whatever um which that's i feel like that's the way they should go like you should you could increase the price of your season pass but making another season pass altogether or doing like um like destiny plans on doing and pretty much every year releasing a new season pass with barely any content probably but like they're 40 dollars season passes yeah, that's ridiculous. That's, that's insane. Now, I guess... And the play with everyone, you know... You once, still have to yeah. pay something a Yeah, because uh, once the year. new season pass comes out, it's, it makes it difficult to play with, yeah. you know, anyone that bought it, so... Well, it's funny because uh, there, I had heard, heard an argument or read an argument that what Destiny is charging is chump change compared to what people like myself pay for World of Warcraft or for... Um, for Final Fantasy 14 because technically I'm paying, you know, $12 a month. And you add that up, you've got $144 a year. So technically, Destiny is a deal. You know, that's what they try to, they try to look at it, you know, in in that in that respect. And well, it's in terms of, like, the quality of the content. Of course, I don't, I don't play Destiny, so for all yeah. I know, 
Well, it's incredible content. Destiny content is good, but it's not. Um, uh, they're trying to create content that ensures that people will continue to play their game. The only problem is there's not enough content to justify that, and then the price for that content isn't high enough. Right. Or the the price for that high content is too high, with the lack of content. Um. So like, say for instance, like Final Fantasy fourteen. I could continue to play that game every day for the next six months and probably still not get through all of the content in that game because by paying subscription, it means to them that every two, maybe three months, we're putting out a new patch that includes a crap ton of things in there, new new quests, new things to get, new ways to do this stuff. Also, right off the bat, you have, I don't know, 15 to 20 classes to master. You have... Um, Ten, ten, uh, ten jobs to do like the like carpenter and arm armor or blacksmith. So you have like all these life things to do. You have places you can buy a house there. You can decorate the house. You can do like all this side stuff to do. But then you have Destiny who says, okay, well, we're gonna release a raid maybe every six months, and then maybe you'll get content updates. You know. So so do you feel like you so you feel like Destiny is. Essentially ripping off their customers. For sure. Yeah. Because on top of that, they're still charging for cosmetics. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, so for you, I mean, do you think it's better to get as much money from a certain amount of customers, you know, as you can? Or is it important to you to get your content out to as many people as you can for a lower price? I guess economics says that it really depends on how the sales go. So, well, not even taking economics into it, just taking into account. Just do you, would you want more exposure or would mm-hmm. you want more money right off? Yeah, that? not even I, not I, even money wise, really. I'm all I'm all, I'm more of a fan of the exposure. Well, of it, so. obviously, money. I mean, obviously, if you take the money out of the equation, it's you know exposure. But um, well, I'm I'm also like a big fan of like the developers that don't put DRM on their their content mm-hmm. and then like may recognize that oh my my game's being torrented or my you know it's being distributed illegally or whatever. Um, there's a lot of uh, developers that have uh, what do you call it have drawn attention to it and said I don't mind, but if you do enjoy the game, please purchase it. Right. And here it is. Well, I, I talk oh. I don't remember what game he made, but I talked to a developer and um, he actually said that yeah he doesn't he doesn't care if people torrent his game because he thinks that they wouldn't wouldn't have bought it in the first place. But in there, turn, there's some developers that think that. Yeah. But, um, what was it? Stardew Valley was like one of the best stories of how that worked out for them mm-hmm. because they ended up having a lot of people that torrented it. That is that they, the one. Which one's Stardew Valley? It's kind of like Harvest Moon. Okay, got it. Um, but yeah, so they had a lot of people that torrented it. And what they realized is that when they looked at the numbers for the torrent and looked at the number of people that purchased the game later in its its life, that it was relative. Like you could tell there was almost like a one-to-one of like people played it, they really liked it, and then they bought it. I mean, it's reminiscent of the, of the days when demos are big. Mm-hmm. You know, when you used to get that disc with your... Uh, with like your PlayStation magazine or whatever that would have a whole bunch of demos on it and you'd play those. Eventually you'd be like, you know what? I do want this skating game or maybe I do want to buy Spyro because I liked the demo. And I think that torrenting is almost like some people 
of course, will use it in a way where they're like, yeah, I just wanted to try it out, but I didn't want to pay $60 up front for it. Mm. And then other people look at it as like, I'm broke. I'm not, I wasn't going to buy it to start with, you know, but having steam on PC, um, a lot of people tend to look at that. If I put it on my wish list, one day it'll be 50% one day it'll be 70% off and I'll buy it then. So do you think that, so you think demos are, are good for the industry? I think demos, um, good demos, actually mm. demos that dis, uh, demos that were made with the final product are good for the industry um, because there's a lot of demos nowadays that are made and then you definitely see that they cut so much content because they're like, oh crap, it's unreasonable to think that we were going to be able to push all of that. You know. So do you think it should be, a, when people try making demos, do you think it should be like an extended demo? Should you give them a good chunk of your game, maybe like 20% of your game? That sounds like a lot. Um, I don't think it really is too much, but I do think it uh, a demo should be a snippet of the game and not necessarily just um, excuse me, a standalone mm-hmm. or something that you made just to show off the game. Now, if it is a game that has maybe maybe you know what, never mind. Even story games, I think it would be it will work well if you like gave them the beginning of the story, and yeah. then cut it off at a certain point and say, hey save your file here you'll be able to use it on the full game because it's not only not only is this just a snippet of the game but once you purchase the game you'll be able to continue your well, play that's, a lot of, that's how some of the indie game games do it you know they're like oh well the demo ends here purchase it now exactly you know, so yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm a big fan of that i do feel like um i guess pricing in general is probably a big problem but they also it, have uh i i don't remember what games do it uh, oh, I was. I think it was Final Fantasy 15. Actually, uh, you play the demo and you actually get something for the real game. You get like a DLC code or something like that. Mm-hmm. I played the the demo. I think you actually only get like a like a sword. No, not even a sword. You might get an outfit or something. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh no no you got uh oh carbuncle. Yeah yeah carbuncle. Even though I played the game and I don't even remember. I don't remember ever using it. Was it like a a car decal or something? No, no, no. You got Carbuncle, but remember the summons in that game are very sporadic. You don't right, actually, right. you can't do them yourself. They're kind of like the 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 limit breaks in right. Final Fantasy VIII. Like you had to like force and them. specific conditions. Yeah. And, yeah. So I got Carbuncle. I never saw Carbuncle in the game, so I guess that was kind of pointless. They probably no, could have gone. I mowed through Final Fantasy fifteen so quick to a point where I got to the last. Po- like the last area, like the last chapter of that game. And then yeah. I quit playing for a month because I was like, the game's about to be over and I finished it in like two weeks and I don't like this, you know? And then I finished it and I was disappointed. But then I found out that they redid a lot of stuff in the game. And I'm like, ah, I don't, maybe one day I'll play it over again. Who knows? So, I mean, this is just going back, you know, cause I am curious, like, uh, you know, I asked about the movie industry, whether or not they do mm-hmm. need to adopt a different formula for these lower key movies mm-hmm. or is it something where maybe they should just yeah i was gonna say maybe they should just forget about going to theaters but that's probably that's probably not the best way the thing about it and i think the reason why the prices are standardized for tickets is because it's not only the movies that are benefiting from it it's actually the, the ticket venue itself so like the theater itself has to make money off of that so they raise the prices because less people might be buying snacks and they raise the prices of snacks. So that way the few people that do buy the, buy the snacks 
make them their money. Um, and I mean, it's kind of like a hard line to tell you want to make sure that all the businesses that are involved in this are taken care of and all of the people who spent all their hard, um, you know, time and to, to work on the movies are getting paid. And that's kind of what it comes down to because the studios still have to pay everybody. I mean, they'll probably pay them up front, but then they have to make their money back for paying all the people to make the movie. And I mean, lowering the price would sound like a good idea for us, but probably well, never anything that'd be considered. I remember, I remember when I was younger, like going to a movie every weekend, like that was, that was definitely a thing. But now, I mean, granted, I have four kids and it's more complicated, but even, even before, you know, I had kids, like it was starting to get too expensive to just go be like, okay, well, this movie looks okay. I'll go see it, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Before you could see okay movies. Now you have to make sure, am I invested enough into the storyline to, to go see this? Or is that actor or actress good enough for me to go to spend $12 for a ticket? You know, I think there's. Is it even is it twelve dollars? I think I feel like it's more expensive than that now. I don't know. I've been to the theater in like six months. No, <laughs> see, because too expensive. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I think there's, I don't know, there's something. I'd rather spend my money on other things. Yeah, I, I think they could do something different, but I guess I'm not hundred percent sure if. Yeah, I don't know, lowering their ticket prices are is the right. I mean, they they did spend spend eighty eight million on that Predator movie. That's still a chunk of change. So, I'm sure the majority has to pay the actors, though. Yeah. So, um, and thank you for our sponsor to Windows Updates, making Windows just so great. Anyway, um, so just just keep them going really wow. Going back a little bit from, you know, back from the movies and back to video games and, and just budgets for video games and whatnot. Um, so, that you you know, you played the new God of War movie and, or God yeah. of War game, sorry. And, you know, it's the develop, it, it went with a strategy of kind of the Lord of the Rings did where, you know, you've, you've set up this game. There's definitely going to be a sequel, but... I'm sure it's going to be just like the old God of War games where realistically the engine, the gameplay, it's not going to change that much. And, you know, one of the, one of the things about Lord of the Rings being successful is they, since they filmed all the movies at once, it lowered the cost of production. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that something that maybe gaming companies needs to kind of think about? Maybe like, you know, the, the, new, genera- the new console generation is coming out. Let's plan a series, and we're going to release three of those, but it's going to cost us minimal compared to coming up with new IPs. Well, one of the things that I've noticed in the game industry is that they used to create custom engines for every single game, right? right. It would take a lot of time, it would take a lot of effort, take a lot of money. But what happened nowadays is what they'll do is they'll buy a license to CryEngine, or they'll buy a license to... Um, they'll buy a license to Amazon Lumberyard, or they'll buy a license to the Unreal Engine, or Unity now. Um, and what that does is it alleviates millions of dollars of development costs to make their own engine. It also increases or decreases the amount of time it takes for a game to go for a concession to, to market. 
And I think that's kind of how they're saving their time. Now, games like uh, like God of War or like first party games, they all tend to use like in-house engines, but that's because these engines are built very specifically for the consoles. Right. Um so, wow, that phone again. Um Is that mine? Definitely yours, not mine. No, my bad. Anyways, um so I think that's how they're I think your your concept is actually really good though to kind of plan the development ahead of time so that way you're not worried about well, we have to design a whole new engine. If anything, we need to... All we have to do is design a story, start the game off, make one game, and then look at how we can innovate in the next game. But keeping the same engine, we still just kind of add more to it and add more to it. Think about like the Tomb Raider games, which like the first one was really good, but they were like, we can do better. We can make the areas a little bit bigger. We can increase the um, the graphic fidelity we can add a couple more new mechanics make it more a little bit more open world kind of they 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 increased the size of the areas and made it a little bit more uh, non-linear at certain parts Mm -hmm. yeah so um in doing that you're using the same engine you're saving money a lot of japanese companies have already figured this out yeah um and and then the next game, and then made by the same studio, so you're not like shuffling things around and have to re-educate people, right? So, so the, the, how is Assassin's Creed different, though? Assassin's Creed was made by like it's been made by two teams. Hmm. Um, they have like rotating teams that, at, while one's being worked on, the other one's being, um, another one's being started on. Um, when one releases, the other one's already halfway through development, so that way we have a time. The, the release date comes around for that one. The other one, the next one has been halfway in development. So are you still, I mean, do you ever get excited for Assassin's Creed, Creed game anymore? Never. I actually played the first one, didn't like it that much. and never. Really oh, so you it. never really liked it in the first place. Okay. No. So I've, uh, I mean, but I like them. I'm a fan them. of that release schedule. You should. Oh, I, I'm definitely not. I don't think video games ever should be released on a yearly schedule. Unless it's Kingdom Hearts. Even then, Kingdom Hearts isn't released on a yearly schedule. It it was for a while. But well, Kingdom Hearts is made by several different. Te- has been yeah. made by several different teams. So each one of those teams is probably working on the game for six or so years. Right, but it was, but yeah. well, they had one release in every year. But I th- I think I think some of those don't really count because I think some of them were the remakes, but they're or they're rehashed or remastered. Like or recoded yeah. was effectively just yeah. the whole first game. For. In a different DS, way. yeah, or 3DS, or whatever it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I really. Yeah, why, why, why every year? Money. But it really is kind yeah, of a bad really strategy, though. Money. It's just over. It's just like, it's just like the Star Wars, you know, saying, "Hey, we're not going to make as many movies anymore. We did a bad job. We shouldn't have done mm-hmm. that." Which is crazy that. Star Wars, one of the dorkiest things, like so many fans of it, mm-hmm. and yet they can't do it with those movies. But then Marvel, they can pump out three a year, and people are like, "Yes, next Marvel movie! I'm so excited! I'm pumped!" Do you know why though? So many different characters, variety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Marvel has been good about that because of very specifically the variety. Mm-hmm. that is involved in making their movies because every time they make a new movie oh that's another thing they pull in a lot of 
new and eccentric directors. Yeah. And in doing so, even if you saw Thor and then Dark World, you were like, eh, that was all right. But then you saw Ragnarok and you were like, wow, that's a whole other taste mm-hmm. altogether. And it's because every time it's been new new directors and not just new directors, but new, like, like fresh eye, like sparkly directors that haven't Themes really done like big yeah. projects before. And this is their opportunity to take their eccentric taste and put it on the big screen with a character that's already established. And I think what happens with like the Star Wars movies is we look at they look for like directors that are already established. They look for they're 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 rehashing things that may or may not need to be rehashed as opposed to moving forward. And so or back like some people want. Yeah. But you see you see what you see what I'm saying though? Like Marvel has is constantly moving forward in each one of their directors like I said, they always bring something new to the game. Right. Um, Ant-Man and Wasp, I think, is the only one so far that has gone backwards in the storyline. Like, if you look at the way that the the movies have been released, I think that one's the only one that's actually gone oh, backwards. Oh, cr- uh, chronolo- chronologically. Chronologically. Yeah. Well, t- technically, like, um, Captain America went backwards, but still, yeah. it went backwards to go forward. I'd have to look at that one. I feel like there was another one, but... I mean, yeah. not but as noticeable. I mean, obviously, they always your story always felt like it was moving forward. Whereas now with Star Wars, because they have such, they have the book in like it ha- the trilogies that eventually have to be released. You're looking at all these other movies as mm-hmm. side movies because they mess with the continuity of the movies that you're currently watching. Um, and I think Marvel has just made it. They 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 got. It's a really good concept of taking comic books, which naturally have ton of like a big cast of characters, and just kind of splitting each of their stories off into a movie, while still con- like maintaining continuity. But for Star Wars, because it is one very central narrative that has very essential characters to that specific narrative, they can't really split off and take other stories, and that's why each of these offshoots has been like like prequels or yeah. in between. Well, they're trying to I mean they're trying to contain it to just this Luke Skywalker time frame. But I mean, they could do anything. You know, they can go they can do the old republic, which that's what I was talking about going to the past. That's what a lot of people want. But they're the choosing the republic to s- isn't canon. What's that? It's not canon anymore. Yeah, but that doesn't matter you can make it your own canon you know yeah no i'm sure i'm sure they could probably adapt to the content to make really good movies um i mean considering like the just like the opening sequences for the old republic and the old uh nice of the old public yeah nice of the public too like they're they have really like nice stories they have i mean you establish the lore of the and maybe that's maybe that's kind of what the movies are trying to uh, to do off with and that is make the origins of everything still kind of ambiguous like, yeah well they they kind of dove into it with the last jedi you know you had yeah. those ancient books and this i don't know was that the, like the first island that the force was discovered or something like that. i don't know um so you know going from disney um or sorry going from star wars over the marvel like we're Same thing. Uh, all that's disney <laughs> that's right uh did you know did you see that they're going to do a, a Loki and Scarlet Witch show on the Disney streaming service. I I heard something about it actually on another podcast. And I was like, this is uh, a little weird. 
It's kind of crazy. It almost feels like Tom Hiddleston still has some time on his contract, and they're like, well, we cut spoilers for, like, you can skip ahead, like, 30 seconds. We're going to kill them <laughs> off. And Well, but, that's oh, up shoot, for debate, have, too. Yeah. I mean, oh shoot! We killed him off. We need to keep his contract going. Uh, someone shoot, already uh, give him his own show. Someone already. Sitting, I pointed out uh, that Loki, like when he had his knife, it was in his left hand, and and all the other times it's it's been in his right hand. He's, he was right-handed or something like that. Freaking nerds. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, them. I mean, Disney doesn't seem to be able to do wrong with Marvel and. You know, this is going to be what's headlining their streaming service. So they're going to pay top dollar for this director. They're going to find the right director, and you know, they're not going to spare expenses. I would imagine. Do you think it's going to be like, um, like DC's streaming, and somebody's going to say, "Fuck Iron Man"? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, d- I, I do not. I doubt it. I I think it's going to be. Very much like, hmm, okay, well, I guess that it, I was about to say it's going to be very much like the movies, but I maybe it's going to be more like the, the Netflix Marvel shows, not mm-hmm. not as you know, like the, the R-rated type, you right. know, more serious damaged characters, but just... What I read and what I heard is it's supposed to be, sorry, an no, extension of the cinematic universe. Yeah, I knew, I figured that. technically... Netflix and like the TV shows, they don't fall into canon. They fall into canon in that they use it to propel themselves forward, but they don't fall into canon as in Iron Man never references the adventures of Daredevil or right. well, things like, like that. He kind of did. Um, gosh, what movie? I think it was the Spider Man movie. I think Iron Man like alluded to other lower level people that aren't Avengers, right? And then, and actually in Jessica Jones, the, the newest season of Jessica Jones, like they keep on talking about the raft a whole bunch, which mm-hmm. was kind of surprising uh, because that show really doesn't talk about the the movie, anything that's out there in the movie world. Yeah. They mention a lot of the cinematic universe characters in passing mm-hmm. kind of as a way to establish that they exist, but just enough to where you're not relying on the events of the movies to propel the shows forward. But I don't think that, I think the way they were talking about the shows is it made it seem like these are going to be side stories. These are going to be things maybe you haven't heard before. And we just kind of want to use these characters, but we can't make like a Disney streaming service, Captain America. Right. Well, that's interesting too. Um, Are they going to have, okay. So you have a Loki TV series. Does that mean that Thor's going to be in it? You have Scarlet Witch. Does that mean Vision's going to be in it? You know, it's a lot of high paid paid blah, 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 paid actors. I, I don't, guess I don't, they're they're printing money with these Marvel movies. So, mm-hmm. and like I said, that's that's headlining. You know, why do we want to buy a Disney streaming service? They got Loki and Scarlet Witch. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. They have Vision in there. They have that's cool. I guess Hawkeye. <laughs> Actually, you know it's funny. Hawkeye has a story that my cousin introduced. He me. would have been a better, like a good one too. Mm-hmm. Realistically, there's a there's a one shot, or not really a one shot, kind of like a like a Hawkeye is like retired or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was Isn't like, there a, like re- old man Hawkeye or something. No, not even. Yeah. But it was like it was a uh, it was like this real. It almost felt kind of like a like a not even I don't know if a sitcom would really, but it just it did definitely felt different and it was kind of it was almost on the level of a Netflix type show but without all the the grit but it was just kind of like the mm-hmm. human view of Hawkeye right um, which was actually kind of cool and I was like I was thinking when they announced that they were going to do streaming that he'd be one of those characters but Jeremy Ritter has it really yeah been I'm, successful I'm sure he's had up keeping a role because realistically like. Like, well, I mean, th- it would be a great show. Hawkeye and and um, Black Widow. Hmm. Yeah. I think I think that would be a good team up for a TV show. But yeah, you're right. And like, they're 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 two biggest stars. And let's see. Look, I guess yeah, Tom Hill, Hiddle, whatever. St- yeah, him. Um, I guess I can only think of him being Loki, and that's it. And a made for TV movie way back in the day. So anyway, uh, this is a short podcast. Um, this actually t- wraps it up. We Are you sure? You don't have anything else you want to talk about? I do have other stuff, but maybe we turn this into a episode six, part one, and then episode two, end game. The fuck? <laughs> I did, did you see that picture that they released uh, the director for Avengers? And people think that they, so the way they set up the room, like with the furniture and the structure of the wall and everything, that it says Endgame, and that's the title of the new movie. <sighs> it actually makes sense as the title. Marketing, I don't, I mean, I guess. But, I, you know, I and guess they have four, because, I've never like clamored for this information like a lot of people do like we need this you know like i want this information like for me i'm just like hmm there's gonna be i know there's gonna be a part two huh that'll be cool when it comes out yeah, well, it's not Where, like i'm like dying to know what the the name of it is but i, I mean know. if i see it i'm like oh that's cool you know oh and it's not a comment on you it's a comment on the other people who are like scrounging the internet and and trying to like hack people to get leaks on the titles <laughs> and and like try to get people to slip up in interviews and stuff so they can just tell them what it's called but i'm pretty sure a lot of the actors don't even know what it's called so yeah so well <laughs> speaking on that terms um you know we we said it was a we kind of did a real quick shot of uh, our topics but one of them was was a little bit of gamer entitlement and uh so it's kind of interesting to me because um like sp- sports sports the sports industry it really doesn't give a crap about its fans but the fans are still shell out money for their content but video game developers like they definitely care what their fans think but the fans feel like it's never enough you know you need to do more and more and more for us like they're part owner You know, I think actually the reason why that happens is because games are interactive as opposed to sports where the only interaction you get is if you're playing a game of the sport or you're playing the sport yourself. Fantasy football, baseball. Yeah. You have to like play a game of the game in actually, order to feel like you're involved in it. I, guess, it, I guess that is true because with fantasy football... It's, you definitely it, feel entitled when your when your when your quarterback does not make yeah. those passes. People go on Twitter and they'll they'll talk shit to him. 
yeah. I'm sure there's been death threats. So be like, I guess be like how how did you how did you miss that pass? You lost me a game, mm-hmm. and you're like, what? How do I what I lose? I lost you. What? I lost the game, dude. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, but so there is there there is an entitlement to anybody that plays or that that interacts with the things that they um, that they're fans of because they always feel like it's being done for them specifically to start with. So, right. but in, in doing so, they always feel like for video games, they feel entitled to a DLC or they feel entitled to a sequel because they played, they paid, um, and you know, they completed it and they're like, Hey, where's my sequel? You know, like, so usually I like to play devil's advocate, but I really can't on this one because I think you completely nailed it. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. It's that interaction. They do. Because of it, they do feel like they're they're a part of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a good thing and a bad thing because um, fan engagement is what makes sports what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was no engagement with the fans, if there, were, if there was no interaction with the fans, what would be the point of watching sports? Really, for the fun of it. But that, but the fun of it is where the fandom comes in. The fun of it is where the interaction comes in. The fun of it is where you buy tickets to go see a game. Right. Um, but you know what I mean. Like you take all that away. Like you just make it to where. And then you have stats. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> it's funny. I say look to to like sports stats, but I'll read patch notes for for MMOs, yeah. and that's like thirty minutes worth of of reading just for one patch, and I'm just like. That's funny. So that means you do the same thing. Like you'll talk about anime, and I'm like, Ugh. okay, I like anime, but Ugh. you know, like, you'll do the same thing <laughs> yeah. it, for whatever reason. Like we're like, eh, I don't really mind it, but I'm still gonna say that oh, yuck, you know? Yeah. yeah. Just like uh, just <laughs> but somehow you do. Oh, like back in the day when uh, when when the word nerd used to be thrown around, yeah. And then I would say, but the fact that you know how many throws so and so did last season while playing for so-and-so or how many throws they did to that person, the percentage, blah, 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 blah. You're a nerd for football. So technically you're still a nerd yourself. I used to actually use that all the time. And I was, and then they would be like, Oh, so what you're saying is nerd just means that I like something a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) And, and maybe, I don't know. Maybe enough nerds said that, and now all the, like the other people are like, "Oh, all right, well, fuck you. I still don't like you, but you, yeah. it's I guess nerds not being that that uh, that big a deal." Also, can you help me with my homework? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever helped anyone with their homework. I used to help a lot of people with homework. You're very nice. I didn't do my own homework because if I helped other people with their homework, then I wouldn't be able to have as much time for video games and. Oh, I monetized it, so I would have. Oh, you monetized it? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. Damn it. Tutoring, um, I I'm not one of those people that would write papers for anybody or anything like that, but um, I would definitely I could help people, but I usually would find some way to to get something else out of it. So if it was uh, monetary or if it was like, hey. Um, let me borrow that thing, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the thing. The thing. So, so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so something that I'll fall into is, uh, it's, it's typically always with, um, 
where I feel entitled or whatever is when it comes to localizing video games. Um, anytime I like, so that my biggest one was the the original Xenoblade for the Wii. I was just about to mention Project e- Rainfall. That's e- funny. Operation Rainfall. Operation Rainfall. Yeah. Like as soon as that started, I was like on a board, you know, I was like, let's go. What do we do guys? I'm ready. So I've, you know, I've looked at a lot of games that I realized that never got localized for the U.S. And I guess I'd probably like think of it like we deserve it over here, blah, blah, blah. But then I think initially I had done research into why it took so long to localize things or why certain things didn't get localized. And then you realize that the reason why is because half of these games have so very specific of like cultural references that in order to localize it not only are you translating the language but you have to ch- you have to change the references you have to update graphics you have to um you have to effectively you have to like import new fonts to like for english and that's if you're only going to the u.s if you're going to europe you might have to like translate to other languages there plus they speak kind of a not kind of they speak a different dialect of english right so their references will always are also be different. Also, they may not use the same idioms that we use over here. So, like, there's so much that goes into translation that it gets to a point where developers go, if it's not popular in our own market or it doesn't sell excessively in our own market, what what value do we get out of putting it into another market? And really, localization most always comes down to the money. If they have, if the game sells well, it will more than likely be localized for another market because they can expand the amount of money that they can reinvest the money and make more. So, so for me, that always goes into, okay, so you're in this big industry, and you know, like for this game industry, there's so many different types of games, but like if you're Sony, you want to sell as many consoles as you possibly can, and maybe someone's not sold on your console or maybe someone's not sold on the, on the Wii, you know, yeah. there's, there's not enough JRPGs. Like you have to, you have to find ways to please all the fan base, you know, because as soon as they buy it, Oh, I have a Wii. Oh man. I'm so happy to have Xenoblade. Okay. Well I beat Xenoblade. What do I play on the Wii now? You know I mean? And that's when you're, you as a fan demand the sequel. Yeah. And well, you no, feel I entitled to it. Because I mean, honestly, now I, just purchased I wanted this console, and I, I wanted more Xenosaga, but Xenoblade, and it was like, okay, I'll take it. It's not it what has I want. Xeno in the title. It's got Xeno in the title. Exactly. He's a simple man. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit, I don't know what I was gonna talk about now. Uh, it's something along the lines of that. About having Xeno in the title, <laughs> and the possibility that Xenogears might actually be on. Or, or oh, a the lot PS, of people are wondering PS if you know Gears would be yeah, yeah. PS1 classic or whatever it's going to be called in the future. Um, shoot, I hate to cut this short, but I got I got shit to do, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's uh, we're gonna have, this is this was a short podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, maybe we'll do a little bit longer one next week. We out. Maybe.